You're listening to audio from the Town Center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, one of the pastors at CA Church, specifically of this campus, excited to be here um, this morning. And um, yeah, as, as of last week at this time, I, I wasn't going to preach at all this weekend. Uh, Pastor John Hawes was going to be down here doing the sermon. And then Sunday night, I was told they'd like me to preach the evening sermon tonight at, at the Mariner service because John Fortune and, and his wife have just had another child. And so I thought, okay. And then, uh, and then about Wednesday morning, I was told John Hawes was sick. So, hey, can you do the three morning services? So I went from doing none to doing all four. So, yeah, well... So that's, this isn't style. This is just, I got out of bed and I just didn't know, well, what are we doing today? So glad to be here. And for those of you who know the text that I'm going to look at today, you, you might understand why I had to come up with two messages. Because this is a family service. And if you've ever read the covenantal ceremony of Genesis 15, uh, you guys can do that at, at, for family time later. We're going to, do, we're going to talk about it briefly um, this morning. Um, everyone around me seems to be getting sick. That was good timing, right, Tony? Right to cough right when I said that. Um, so John Hawes isn't feeling well this week. My wife and my daughter haven't been feeling well. So when I have to gun it out of here afterwards, I'll assume all of you will just move out of my way because you're probably concerned that I'm contagious as well. Um, I'm going to invite you to stand as I'm going to read two uh, sections of Scripture from Genesis 15. I'm going to read uh, verse 1 and then verses 5 to 6. And this is out of the message version. And I, I think we have it on the screen, yes? Fantastic. Oh, do you want have verse 1 up there? There you go. Fantastic. Let's just do it numerically in order. That's fine. So this is the Word of God to us this morning. After these things, this Word of God came to Abram, in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. Your reward will be grand. And then verse 5, then he took him outside and he said, look at the sky and count the stars. Can you do it? Count your descendants. You're going to have a, a big family, Abram. And he believed, believed God, and God declared him set right with God. What a great title. God of grace, I pray you would speak to us this morning about what it means to worship a God who keeps promises, a God who sees us and knows us. Uh, Open our hearts and minds. God, we all come in here with different stories. There's different threads that are attaching us to stories outside of this building, and we want to bring them all uh, inside under the great light and placed within your beautiful story. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, you guys can take a seat. We've been walking through this series on Abraham or Abram, uh, talking about what it means to live lives of faith and trust, even when it looks, uh, it looks like maybe what God has promised us or the promises of Scripture maybe don't look like they're all lining up. Now, what do we know about Abraham? Do we got a picture of Abraham there? What do we think? Look at that. What do you think he's thinking about? What's he thinking about? Stars right there? Probably. So the stars over there, he's looking. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, okay. What do we think of when we think of Abram or Abraham? Father Abraham. There we go. (laughs) So we're all going to leave here today. It's like some weird Abraham conga line. 
In, in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, uh, God made, it's the first time we hear about Abraham or Abram. God makes him a promise. It says this in verse 1 of chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. That's quite an ask. Leave everything you know and go somewhere new, somewhere you don't know anything about yet. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples of earth will be blessed through you. That is a very big promise. He says, Abram, you, you're going to have a lot of children, not just family size. Abram, I'm not talking about, who was I talking to this week? They, they said they had, they had 19 siblings. Wow. But even more so for Abram. Wow. Um, you're not just going to have a big family size, but your descendants are going to be many, enough to fill up a country. They'd have their own land. They would become a great nation. And that outside of their nation, every other nation in the world would be blessed. Now, if you or I were asked to leave everything we understood and God says, hey, just trust me on this. I'm going to guide you from here and I'm going to bless you with all. We would have some questions. <laughs> we would want to ask a few things, especially since one of the promises is that you're going to have many children. And well, Abram's an old dude. His wife is old. The doctors have said you're not having any more children. And so Abraham has a lot of questions about how this is all going to be fulfilled. You say, I'm going to have a great nation. Uh, we're going to have a land. And right now that land is filled with other people who don't feel like leaving right now. And we don't have any children. And God doesn't get mad at him. God doesn't say, how dare you ask any questions. He simply keeps reminding Abram, Abraham of these promises that he's given him. And he keeps saying, just trust me with this. Trust me with this. Trust me with this. Believe in me, Abraham. I do not break my promises. And in order to convince Abraham that God will not break his promises, he does what's called a covenant ceremony. He makes a covenant with Abraham. A covenant is not a contract. It doesn't just last as long as you both are feeling good about the deal. A covenant is forever. A covenant is an agreement that lasts forever. It involves a lot of different things, some things that are pretty gross, so we're not going to go into them this morning. But basically, the idea of a covenant is that God is saying to Abram, this is not just an agreement for a, an amount of time. It's not just a relationship that's going to hold on for a bit. Um, but you and your descendants, it's not only going to last when they're good or when they're obedient, but this is an eternal agreement of relationship between the two of us. So a covenant is an eternal relationship that cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. And so what God is saying to, to Abraham is, whenever you question the future, whenever you question all the promises I've given you, I want to, you to remember this covenant agreement that we made. Have, have any of you ever had someone break a promise? I mean, I've broken promises. Uh, the one I usually break is when your, your child says, hey, can we get ice cream later? And then you just hope that, that they're going to forget. They don't ever forget. They could be five years later. They're like, remember that time? And we never got it. They try to cash it in until they're 20. Uh, someone told me that. I don't. How does it feel when someone breaks a promise? Hurtful. Yeah. And what does it take? Then, after that, 
to try to get that kind of trust back. See, the problem is most of us, we sometimes think that God makes promises the same way people do. That if we irritate people or, or maybe they, they have a different idea or change their mind, they might break a promise. God doesn't work that way. When God proclaims something, it is as good as true. Now, when I was a kid, I had, we had different sayings that we had as kids to make sure someone was really going to step through on a promise. Uh, one of my favorites was when you would say, well, do you cross your heart, hope to die, stick a needle in your eye? The part that blows me is that other people would be like, yeah, really? <laughs> That's intense. You ever say yes to that one? That's what or, or, or what we used to do was the pinky swear. I mean, nothing can break the pinky swear. That is solid. A covenant was God's eternal, unbreakable version of a pinky swear. <laughs> more, maybe more closely to the idea of if I lie, stick a needle in my eye. Every time Abraham and his children uh, and his descendants would wonder whether or not God was truly going to keep his promises to make them a great nation, they would remember the covenant agreement that they made, that Abram made with God. And what is really cool is that the Bible tells us that you and I are actually a part of that same agreement. This is the part. We all, don't think of this as just some story that happened to, some, to, to Father Abraham, the beginning of the, the Jewish nation. You and I are involved in that covenant. In Genesis 12, it says that God promised Abraham that he would have many descendants and that every other nation in the world would be blessed by his descendants. Now, I'm just going to throw this out there, and it's one of those Sunday school questions where you already know the answer, so just get that answer in your head. Yes! <laughs> now I'll give you the question. The answer was Jesus. The question was, who is the greatest descendant of Abraham? Jesus. Absolutely. He is the great, 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 I'm running out of shoe, I'm running out of toes, grandchild of Abraham. Even though Abraham didn't know it at the time, the way that all the nations of the world were going to be blessed from his descendants was because his greatest descendant would be Jesus. And this is very, very cool. <laughs> this is why we don't ever read the Old Testament and say that doesn't belong to us. This is why we don't ever read the Old Testament and say we can unhitch that from the New Testament, to quote a scholar. Today, we sit in church with people from different backgrounds, different nationalities, who are all together in this building, not just because they are Canadian. Some of us might not be Canadians, but because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are welcomed into the family that God promised Abram. John chapter 1, verses 12 to 13 says this. It says, all who believed in him and accepted accepted him, this being Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Every time we gather for worship, don't miss this, every time we gather from, for worship, we, we are witnessing that this has come true. We are witnessing that you and I have been welcomed into that covenant and into that promise. Jesus, who would go to the cross, who would suffer, who would die, and then be raised from the dead, welcomes us into this story through his sacrifice. And in the New Testament, it tells us that everyone who believes that Jesus was sent by God, that he died and rose again, 
have a right to be called children of the living God. This is not an invitation just for children. (laughs) This is an invitation for everyone who steps in here to say, my story is too small. I don't want to write my own story anymore. I want to be welcomed into a much grander, much larger story. It doesn't get bigger than this. (laughs) This is the story of human history, aiming towards Christ's full fulfillment when he returns. See, one of the cool things when we come to church, that I love this, because this reminds me, every time we do Advent here, or what we've been starting to do over the last couple of years, this last year I think we had um, Cantonese or Mandarin, we had Spanish, we had Romanian, we were going to have Finnish, but we got snowed out. Sorry, Cyrillus, if you're here. When we do that, we're remembering that promise to Abram. When we gather together and proclaim the beautiful story of Jesus, we are living out the promise given to Abraham. So today when anyone says, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, I believe that Jesus fulfills all the promises of God, I believe that Jesus is the only way to God and the only way to eternal life, and I believe he's going to come again. When we say that, we are now called children of the living God together with Christians throughout history and throughout the world. And coming up this next month is the, uh, the, the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. We have brothers and sisters who are part of this promise who we will never meet and who are not allowed to publicly talk about the fact that they love Jesus. That are being persecuted in places like Afghanistan and Nigeria and Israel. This is an amazing, amazing story to be welcomed into. But we need to ask ourselves then, if Abram would always look to, to his covenant, if the descendants of Abraham would always look to, his, to their covenant in order to trust God for the future, future descendants, future land, where do you and I look? When you and I wonder whether or not Jesus will keep his promises, that Jesus will keep his promises to return one day. Whether or not God truly loves us, whether or not God truly sees us, cares about us. We can look all the way back to the covenant because we see that we're actually involved in this agreement. But even more powerful than that, we see something that Abraham never got to see. We see his greatest descendant live a perfect life be persecuted, pay the price for sin, show his power over death. And we say, that is where I will look for my guarantee. If we wonder if Jesus will fulfill the future, we can look to the past. See, God made a, Jesus made a covenant as well. He, Jesus made an eternal um, promise of friendship when he went to the cross. And this covenant that he made included promises as well. There's a handful of promises. Abram was given his promises, which we are welcomed into, but you and I are given promises as well in the covenant of Jesus' blood, as he says in, in Luke chapter 22. We are given promises of being forgiven. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In the covenant of the cross, we are given a promise of eternal life. 
John 3.16, there's the other Sunday school answer. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We are given promises that Jesus will return and take everything that is so chaotic and messy and bring it back to its correct way of being. John chapter 14, 1 to 3, Jesus says this, don't let this throw you. He's saying, you're going to go through hard times. Don't let this throw you. You trust God, don't you? Well, trust me. There is plenty of room for you in my father's home. If this weren't so, would I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I'm on my way to get your room ready, I'll come back and get you so that you can live where I live. All these promises are caught up in the covenant of the cross. And so where do we look? We look to the cross. If we wonder if we can trust Jesus, if we wonder whether or not he has the power to do everything that he promises, we look to his life, death, and we look at his resurrection. We look at the empty cross. Things like giving us eternal life. Things like uh, bringing us into the family of God. Things like forgiveness. Where do we look? To, to, to understand if God really sees us and cares, we look to the cross. When we look to the cross, we really know what God's all about. When we look to the cross, we know where God's eyes are looking. When we look to the cross, we know where God's heart is aimed. We know that God loves us. When we look at the resurrection, we know that Jesus has power over death and power over history and eternity. And so this morning, I want to remind us that we worship a God of covenants. A God who makes eternal deals with you and I. And the best part is, you and I can make mistakes. Because the strength of God's promises are not based on how good you are at it today. It's based on his word and his truth. You can have all sorts of questions, just like Abram did of God. God said, I'm going to give you a people. And he's like, I'm 75. I got no children. I tried to explain this to my wife, and she's not really into the idea either. <laughs> It doesn't seem like it's going to work. He promised a land. That land was filled with enemies and people who hated God, who weren't ready to leave yet. So Abram had all sorts of questions for God. You are allowed to have questions for God. Even in the middle of, of, of Abram asking questions, the writer of Genesis 15 says, that Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Do you know that you can have trust and still have doubts? You can, have, you can trust God and still not understand what he's doing. A couple weeks ago, some of us flew down to San Diego because we were going down to do our missions trip, which we'll tell you about in the next few weeks. Everybody on that plane trusted the, well, okay, maybe not all to the same degree because some of us were holding on pretty tight, especially on some of those landings, but... For the most part, we all trusted the plane. None of us understood a plane. I don't under, that's, a, that's a bullet I'm strapped to going through the air. How that works, I don't understand, but I trusted it. You can have all sorts of questions for God and still trust him with your life. There's a lot of room inside our belief and inside our faith. So don't believe that disqualifies you. It's not, it's not the strength of your faith. It's the strength of the object of your faith. And he is a refuge and he is a strength. He is a rock on which you can build your life. 
A God who makes promises that are true and that last an eternity. A promise of relationship that cannot be broken by our sin. Because he already took care of our sin. So I invite you this morning to look to the cross and see the heart of God in full display and also the guarantee of all his future promises. He is a God who keeps his promises. Let's pray. God, it's my prayer this morning. In a world that can grab our attention so quickly, that in, in a world that can cause the ground underneath us to feel shaky, in a world that tells us that we ought to create our own story and we ought to push all other stories aside, that can be so fractured. We can feel so lost. We can feel so storyless. And so we thank you for this promise to Abram, a promise that you have invited us into, that we can be called children of the living God. We thank you that you are not only the God of moments in history, but you are the God of all of history. And so as we come this morning to worship and reflect on your word, as we, we come to spend time eating food together and laughing and telling stories, we, we do so to anchor ourselves in your beautiful story. A story that, that allows room for doubt, allows room for questions. In fact, we see it modeled in the Bible. So, Lord, we come this morning empty-handed. We come to you saying, we have nothing but you. We need nothing but you, for only you have the words of eternal life. And if we're grasping on to things that we think are going to bring life, I pray through your spirit, you'd pry our fingers open, we would let them drop, and we ask you to fill our hands up. We ask you to fill our lives up, our hearts and our minds. May we plant ourselves firmly in the story of a covenantal God who sees us, knows us, and loves us and has our lives firmly in his hands from the beginning to the end. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.